Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Let's head straight down to the pit lane. Shay Adam has uh, been for a little pit stop of her own and a bite to eat, uh, refuelled and ready to go. This is your favourite session as well, Shay, isn't it? This is honestly my favourite session of the year. I live for Sebring night running. Sebring in particular? Sebring in particular. I have a spot in a single pit box that I will go stand in and wait as these GTP cars go past because if you close your eyes when it gets to be complete darkness as a prototype drives by, you can almost picture it being a B-17 bomber coming down the Ah, taxiway. The concrete vibrates and reverberates and you feel the history coming alive. It's unlike any other track in the world. Please never repave Sebring. I know there are some drivers out there who wish for that to happen, but I am the antithesis of that. This session is very important, though, because several drivers need to get their night laps in order to be classified to be able to race on Saturday night after the sun goes down. Now, whether or not they actually will be in the car during that time, that's debatable because normally, if you're a bronze-rated driver, your shift is done well before the sun goes down. But you need to have the option of being able to get in the car in case there's some kind of a medical emergency or whatnot with any of your co-drivers. So we've got, I think it was about 50 drivers on the list who need to get these night laps out of the way and watch for those cars to be going round and round. Every bronze driver, by the way, mandated to get night laps. So even if you've raced here before, even if you've won here before, if you're bronze, you're going out in this session. Jeremy Shaw has been doing the counting and he can tell us exactly how many drivers uh, have to do the session. Yeah, Shay's right. There's 59 drivers, wow. I think, in total uh, are on the uh, on the list. Uh, so it's that's more than a, some series have actual drivers well, in that's them. True. That's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, we've got, what, 159 drivers here. So 100 don't and 59 do. So that's a third of the field. Mm. Wow. Uh, very impressive bit of stattery there um, from uh, Jeremy Shaw, who's in the booth with me, John Heindhoff. Uh, Temperature-wise, things just cooling off, as you might imagine. We got up to over 30 degrees Celsius in the session for the FIA WEC. Uh, we have an hour and a half, and at the moment it's 22 Celsius in the air and 21 on the track or if you prefer 70 on track and 72 in the air that's how it stands at the moment as we get underway and Shea Adam is watching all the cars go by her out of the pit lane and already the darkness is closing in quite quickly Shea with the wind blowing onto the front of the cars going down into turn one it is and it's a wonderful time oh oh sorry i need to interrupt my train of thought because rexy which is the ao racing porsche the number 80 has an orange light in the grill which has teeth on either side of it so it makes it look like it has an open mouth that is genius ao racing i love you guys and i love everything that you guys have done particular uh, round of applause goes to gunner Jeanette, who went completely overboard and even got fake plants 
to sit in the garage so it looks like a jungle when their car is sitting back there. Uh, yes, the light in the sky is dissipating rather quickly. Good to know because we will be racing for about, uh, what, three hours still on Saturday at this time. So we are going to have several hours of complete darkness. And if you were listening to Full Practice 2 earlier on, and you should be, you would have heard Sheena Monk talking about just how dark it is here. She doesn't have a lot of night racing experience in general. But then you come to a place like Sebring International Raceway after running at Daytona for the 24 hours. Daytona, you can practically run without headlights. Sebring, you need all the light you can get. Shit, Adam down on the pit lane as things are starting to get underway. Just the right amount of cloud in the sky over to the west to have a properly lovely photogenic sunset. What a day we've had today. Just a quick shout out again to our track marshals and also all the rest of the volunteers and our camera ops who were on duty this morning a little before nine o'clock for the Porsche race and uh, are still on duty now uh, this evening. Quite uh, a long shift for all of those. Uh, it's been a lot of fun though as we get a red flag early on uh -oh. and see if we can pick out what the situation is there on the circuit. I'm Kelly Moss with Riley number 92 is what we are hearing from Sheer down in the pit lane. Pit lane official letting us know that. Also a drive-through for the 17 Anthony Mantella AWA Duquesne. He left the pit box too early. Guess what? It's turn four on uh, bad tyres, on bad tyres, on not warmed up tyres. And that's... Uh, Happy Buddha car sitting, I'm afraid, buried in the tyres again, as we've seen that on a number of occasions. Putting the remote down somewhere and losing what I've done with it. Yeah, thank you. So, see who was in that number 90 two car as it was going out for its first time uh, it was David Brill the Kelly Moss with Riley 92 Porsche 911 GT3R Brulee excuse me David Brulee one of the new for 2023 cars 5 mil restricted brake on that car uh, not just that one on all of them and uh, that has made as you might imagine, a decent performance difference. The car, although it's a brand new machine, uh, I'm told there's very little other than the wheels and wheel nuts that it shares with the previous iteration. The engine has changed. It's gone out 200 cc's from 4 litres to just under 4.2. But it wears the same as last year's car and it actually produces the same amount of power. Well, it... it it would have if it had had the same restrictor as last year's car, which it now does. The 200ccs, not giving more power, but giving a little bit more tractability in the mid-range and torque, is what Porsche Motorsport have been telling their teams. A lot of changes, of course, with a new car. 
a lot of them to make servicing of the car easier and endurance spec. So panels that come off easier, slightly different driving position and an improved interior dashboard and data package as well for that 992 GT3 R. And I think the rear wing has kind of got itself entangled yes. into the into the tire wall there. It's sort of it's sort of gone over the top of a rim of a tire and down into the middle of it, into sort of where the wheel would be, so to speak. And it's kind of stuck. So um, that's going to take a bit of manoeuvring to get that car out. I think David Bruley had the car kind of running. He tried to pull away, but it wasn't. It didn't want to go. Oh, I, and yeah. Because you don't want to rip the rear wing off either. No. What they're trying to do is compress the tyres, yes. and they've they've got a hydraulic jack out there to compress the tyres, or to ah uh, no, they've got a cutter out to cut the tyre band, I think, so that they can move the tyres, uh, free the rear wing. Uh, there's a rear wing end plate that needs to just be freed yeah. off on the left-hand side. That's a nice bit of work by the EMR safety crew. What they don't want to do is damage the car, and this is taking a little more time. Uh, then perhaps you might have thought, oh, I just let him drive out. But they, no, 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 stop. We don't want you to damage the car. These guys are full race enthusiasts. Our EMR safety team, many of them been with us a very long time. I know Mike Roberts is coming back this weekend. He's uh, called it a day called time on his duties for the IMSA safety team. Goes back right to the American Le Mans series day. Mike, if you're listening to us at the moment, come and say hello. It'll be great to see you and all of our EMR safety team, wherever you are around the track, listening in the trucks, and I know you are tuned in on 100.9 and the PA session. Thank you very much for all your hard work down through the years. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Red flag with the clock still running here at Sebring International. 100.9 around the track and regionally are for the two races uh, on Friday and Saturday on WWOJ we take over the Central Highlands frequency of 99.1 um, they'll be uh, putting their own ad breaks in but it's ad free here at the circuit of course as the beautiful sunset I said you needed just the right amount of cloud to get that lovely orange glow in the sky, and we've got it perfectly at the moment. Our camera operator isn't going to go all artsy on us. Now, to the feeds we can see in the booth. It's quite a contrast, actually, looking across to turn 17 and still the light in the sky, and then looking down towards turn one and beyond the airfield as to how dark it is. That's what Sheena Monk was saying earlier on. It does get very, very dark indeed. There's uh, a little bit of corner lightning in certain places here, but this is not a fully lit race circuit. And for the last couple of hours or so on Saturday night for the 71st running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, there'll be strange things going on in the dark. <laughs> Earl Bamber and I were talking on uh, Saturday, likened it to what goes on on the front row, in the front row of a rugby scrum in a test match. Weird, wonderful things that nobody ever sees and probably doesn't want to know about. And uh, there's a certain amount of that, particularly in the closing stages of races where reputations as well as places can be made or lost. And uh, nice to see plenty of uh, lights around from the spectators as well, as ever. Brighting 
brightening things up. Let's go to Shea while we can. There's still this uh, extrication of the car, number 92, the Kelly Moss Porsche going on. She's with Pietro Fittipaldi. A nice opportunity, Pietro, because it's quiet out on the racetrack. Now, you're one of four drivers who's doing the WEC race and the IMSA race in the same machinery, in effect, but different tires. How hard is it to get out of the P2 car in qualifying and then come over to the P2 car for night practice? Yeah, obviously it's uh, very different, you know, two different tires, two different aero packages as well. The IMSA car has a lot more downforce, um, so it takes a little bit of adapting, but it is cool getting that, that feeling with the extra downforce and, uh, and then going back to the low downforce with the wet car. Um, but it's been a great experience. We had a good qualifying with the Team Jota. We qualified second and we'll be, you know, racing tomorrow and then doing the 12 hours of Sebring with uh, Rick Ware Racing on Saturday. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. Um, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I came to watch this race when I was a kid, and it's my first time racing here. I'm from Florida, so it uh, feels like racing at home. Yeah, it's just, what, a three-hour drive up from Miami, so it's not too bad. I know all about that. But you come here, and all of a sudden, you're driving the full course. That's a different experience, too, because you've got lots of laps around the partial course, right, from IndyCar experience? Yeah, so we do. I've done, uh, you know, a couple IndyCar tests here on the short track, but it's completely different compared to the big track. The big track is a whole different deal. It's so bumpy. People were telling me beforehand, the track is bumpy, and I was like, ah, oh, they're probably exaggerating. But I did my first laps here, and I was like, it's very, very bumpy. Is it weird having to rely on your bronze driver for all of your information about this track? No, it's great. Eric is an awesome teammate, and he has a lot of experience here. So obviously, before coming here, we had a lot of... Uh, uh, chats and calls, just getting ready for the race weekend, and uh, we have a good team atmosphere and stuff, so we're all pushing each other forward, and uh, it's great to, that he has experience here. It's very important. It's a hard track to learn. Good luck here, but first, good luck with Jota tomorrow. I'll be over bothering you there. Thank you. Great to hear Pietro Fedipaldi working both paddocks this weekend, a bit like Shane Jolt, and... Uh, he is enjoying his motor racing again. Great to hear. We have freed the Porsche. Free the Porsche, save the world. And it is on its way back in the hands uh, of David Brewer, the driver. That's just the 92 car that was in the wall at turn four. A few more lights going up around the circuit at the moment to make sure that the party atmosphere continues. Uh, right throughout the weekend. If you're listening around the world, and it's getting pretty late, isn't it, back in Europe, coming up to midnight in London, one o'clock in the morning. Uh, just a reminder, it is uh, high noon green flag for the WEC tomorrow, but we've got qualifying live in sound and vision from the WE, from the uh, IMSA paddock, the WSC, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, as we go back green. Uh, and that is here in the States and further afield. Check imsaradio.com for the full schedule it automatically converts to your time zone and remember uh, just remember as well that we are on daylight savings times here in the states now uh, which certainly europe and the uk and most of the rest of the world haven't done quite yet and then it's the mobile one 12 hours of sebring warm-up unusually we do get a warm-up here on saturday morning and then the race again with our Michelin countdown to green uh, starting uh, right about half past nine in the morning and the race is off at ten past ten so plenty of racing coming this weekend and uh, we've also at uh, a quarter past ten at UK time 
on RS1 and also in sound and vision we'll have the Nürburgring Langstrecker series weather permitting haven't seen the forecast for that frankly I didn't dare look but we'll be bringing you as the official English language broadcaster full coverage of that alrighty we're back up and running again Jeremy and the difference between the light levels when David put the Porsche in the wall and the light levels now are noticeable and what we're we're talking about 15 minutes aren't we uh, yeah I guess we are and um, but it is much 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 darker now you're right the I'd say that's full dark uh, now yeah. yeah pretty much and um, you know in the in the pit lane area here there's plenty of brightness but out around the back of the circuit round around turn, turn 10 13 uh, there's not much at all uh, other than these uh, fabulous fans that are setting up all their all their uh, in some cases pyrotechnics but certainly a lot of light displays out there as well you name it it's out there fantastic so it's going to be fun a couple a couple of drivers here going to get a penalty for leaving their pit box too early car number 47 that's the uh, Chesilar Ferrari and also number 17 car which is one of the AWA LMP3s number 47 cars Giorgio Cernogiotto driving that car of course one of his co-drivers on Saturday is going to be Antonio Fuoco who was just uh, just a few minutes ago put his Ferrari on the pole for the WEC race tomorrow? For so there'll be, uh, I'm sure, a certain amount of jubilation down there in that Chetelar camp. I think that there'll be a huge amount of jubilation in the AF Corsa Ferrari camp uh, as well. That is, to say the least, unexpected. The perceived wisdom from over in the WEC paddock was that Toyota. Uh, would lock out the front row they haven't managed to do it and even with their qualifying and Sebring specialist Kami Kobayashi in his car he's actually only ended up third he weren't with us earlier on so history being made with Ferrari back in the WEC and remember what Giuseppe Risi told Nick Damon at Motulpati Le at the end of last season he wants to bring a 499p Ferrari to IMSA. He said his desire is there. There's one or two bits and pieces of politics to get through. Politics and motor racing, politics and Ferrari, surely not. But if anyone can negotiate that, Jeremy Shaw, it is Giuseppe Risi. And what we've seen there is a car quite clearly that is already right on the pace, despite it being in its very early stages and a Risi Competizione run 499p for maybe next, maybe as early as next season. Yes, please. Yeah, I think uh, Rick Mayer would be, there's uh, the chief engineer there at Risi Competizione. He'd be uh, super happy to, to, to be involved in that kind of a program, that's for sure. But uh, no, it, it, it's a great day, I think, for motor racing to have a Ferrari on pole position. First time back uh, in a sports car, prototype sports car for a long, long time. And that was a magnificent effort by uh, young Antonio Fuoco. He really is a bit of a star. Uh, is he ever? And uh, you know, he showed it this just uh, an hour or so, less than an hour or so ago. Let's go down to Shea, who has got down to the Kelly Moss Porsche, Kelly Moss Riley Porsche. There's a meeting of giants as well. Um, the new 992 car. Uh, that was the car that ended up in the, in the wall early on and caused that early red flag the EMR safety crew here were very careful not to cause 
uh, any further damage. What was the situation after the car had been in the wall? Big round of applause to the AMR safety crew for making it uh, ah. less worse than it could have been. Uh, yes, for, I know what you mean. For the 9-2, um, So, again, we're, we're getting a little bit uh, frisky here at night practice. Uh, there is quite a bit of as what Nick Damon would call scuffage and dentage uh, on the left rear of the car going all the way up over the wheel well. It has not affected the air intake for the brake duct uh, that's right behind the door, so that's the good news. The mirror is still intact. Are missing the rear wing end plate on the left-hand side and a giant crack in the bumper cover on the left-hand side above um, sort of gaps in the bumper, if you will. So the part of the bumper that's already a bit more fragile, shocked and surprised no one did crack. But other than that, the diffuser seems to be all in one piece, and it's fairly superficial. So they have left David in behind the wheel of the car. Let me just make sure that that was still his black carbon helmet. No, no, there is no driver behind the wheel right now. Um, David is back behind the box, though. The crew going to work almost immediately. Now they're going to put an entirely new rear wing on instead of just replacing the rear wing end plate. Uh, interesting precaution that they're going for. But the good news is that they took the engine cover box off, or what used to be the engine cover box. Now it just sort of gives you better access in toward the engine, being a mid-engine car. And they have deemed that it is good. So this car should not be here for too much longer. If anyone knows how to fix race cars, it's Bill Riley. And Bill Riley's crew, amongst the best in the biz, has now decided that Alec Udell should get in behind the wheel to shake the car down to make sure that everything is good. Very smart decision-making down here at Riley. To nobody's surprise. And Kelly Lewis, by the way. I, I can imagine that the first part of this session, Jeremy, all of this session is deemed dark. Uh, even when it was quite light earlier on. I mean, it is full dark now because we lost that 15 minutes. I, I, I suspect that any teams that have more than one driver that needs their darkness laps will get them out just to do those laps, swap them out quickly, and then get to whatever programme they want to be. It does seem as though most of the headlights are pointing in the right direction, which is not always the case um, at these races. And at Daytona, it probably didn't... Uh, didn't matter too much um, but they are seem to be going well let's go down to Joe Bradley it wasn't a great afternoon for RLL and the LMDH the GTP cars for BMW um, the 24 car only came out very late after a sensor change and the, the 25 car was late on parade as well Sheldon Fondalinda maybe can shed some light on what went on this afternoon and, and whether all things are hunky and if you will dory now Joe Bradley Sheldon, your car lost a, quite a chunk of time from the practice session earlier on today. Is that what has that meant to you? Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. We lost a lot of time in the beginning of FP2, obviously, which is not ideal. Um, but we've managed to bounce back quite nicely end of FP2 with some good steps on the car. Um, but still, we have a lot of we lost a lot of running that we now need to try and make up in this night practice. So hopefully, the car runs smooth without any um, any issues. Has the team shared exactly what the issue was? Say again? Has the team shared with you what the, the problem was that put it out? No, there was no issue. We just uh, did a lot of setup changes on the car, which meant obviously a longer turnaround time for the boys. Um, so there was no issue. Uh, it's just trying to maximize our time in the pit lane and uh, make sure that the car, that every step on the setup is the right direction for, for the weekend. What, what exactly did you guys change? There must have been radical changes to, to are you not going to tell me? 
Is this secret? Nah, definitely not. Can't tell you. It's all a secret. <laughs> um, no. It's worked, wasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, the car feels definitely a bit easier to drive. We still we still have some pace to find compared to the Cadillac, for example. Um, they're still pretty far ahead of us uh, if you look at the theoretical lap times. So, um, yeah, we're still not quite there yet, but we've definitely made a step forward. Yeah, and it's clear that the step forward is quite a pace. That was quite a chunk of time you found. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, if we can find that same chunk again, we'll be uh, in the mix, I assume. Just miss, miss another practice session and do something else. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the secret to, to obviously close the gap. But uh, no, just looking ahead now, trying to obviously get a good qualifying tomorrow, start towards the front. And then uh, the race is always open here yeah, with uh, full course yellows and stuff. You can always kind of find yourself in the race towards the end. It's about the last two hours, so uh, just trying to keep everything alive, make sure the car's easy to drive. Also during the night time now, doing fine tuning on the lights on the front and stuff and uh, making sure that we have a good race car. Kenton Cook, you've just hopped out of the Mercedes from Team Cawthorpe Racing. It's not yet completely dark, but how dark is it around Sebring right now? Man, yeah, it's, it's been a minute since I've been here in the dark and yeah, it's a, it's a little more dark than Daytona is, uh, but thankfully we've got some big old headlights on this thing. And uh, yeah, so far, it's so good. I just did a couple laps just to get my, my time out of the way to be qualified for the night. Um, I don't think I'll probably be driving in the night for the race, but uh, yeah, we'll let Mick and Mike do the hard work. Guys with the M names, I see what you're doing there. You're uh, leaving your teammates to that. As far as the running has been going today, how has it been for the Mercedes? It was a slight BOP adjustment you guys got, but it doesn't seem like it slowed all of the Mercedes down. No, it seems like the, the Mercedes has been uh, obviously a good car uh, at Daytona and at the test we were here. I think it's still a good car. I think there's there were some other cars that, that needed some help, and I think they rightfully got what they deserved from the help that they needed. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, being selfish, you don't want, want that, but uh, in the end, we're here to race, so that's what, that's what, uh, that's what the, the, the powers at uh, IMSA are there to do and control the balance of performance and make sure everyone's got an even shot. And uh, so far, I think, you know, there's definitely a lot more cars in the hunt for this one at Sebring. Isn't it more fun though, when you can win a race against more good competition? Oh, of course. Yeah, you always want to be racing against the best. Uh, and yeah, I, I think the Mercedes is still strong. Um, there's definitely some really strong cars out there though. Like I was around the Acura, that thing seemed pretty ballistic uh, down the straightaway. And, um, there's other cars that are also really strong, but I think the Mercedes is going to be good on the long run. Really easy on the tires and uh, pretty easy to drive over the long run. I saw some other cars out there near the end of the runs, and they were they kind of gapped with me a little bit right at the at least my first outing, and then three laps later they were backing up into me again because they were having issues with the rear of the car. So, like I said, I think we've got a good car for the long run here. Good luck to you this weekend, Kenton. We'll be cheering you on. Yeah, thank you very much. John, I think we're going to stay green, but there was a moment out there for the 0-4, not sure who was behind the wheel, but losing the car at turn three, managed to get going once again, but with some serious damage to the rear. And is that the gradient racing Acura that's also involved now too? Uh, correct. Oh. Uh, it was George Kurtz behind the wheel. He had a fairly innocuous spin to the inside at turn three. We've seen a few people do that. And kept the engine running, pulled straight out across the track to try and regain the circuit and unfortunately the JG Wentworth number 66 was coming through the corner and just underlining how difficult it is Sheena Monk behind the wheel of that car coming up and the car in front of her and 
it's dark out there and the side of the cars aren't as illuminated as much as the front or the back and she just clipped the back of the car as it was going across the track she's done some damage to the front of her car on the yeah. right hand side and the back right of George's car there's a bit of debris out on the circuit there with a minute and five to go Jeremy yeah. I, I mean it's that, that's an unfortunate incident there that it probably wouldn't have happened in the daytime put it that way no probably not uh, but uh, that she hit it you know pretty fair thwack that was uh, with the right front of the Acura it's done quite a bit of damage with some uh, fluids I think spewing out of it here watching a replay now of George Kurtz coming back across the racetrack and she was already kind of commi fully committed going through that corner there were uh, yellow flags out oh, there quite yeah uh, and you've got to be prepared for for any eventuality when there's yellow flags flying otherwise it's basically it's your fault um, so you know George Kurtz I mean he was doing what he sort of should have done but he what he didn't do was maintain his momentum all the way across the racetrack he seemed to sort of slow down at, right in the middle of the track and that there's that point Sheena was committed to I think probably originally going to the right hand side of him uh, but then he, he he blocked that that route and she tried to go left and uh, th that route was already blocked off he's made uh, it back to the pit lane he's lost the yeah. what I like to call the cheese wedge behind the right rear wheel yeah I think actually, panel. I think there might be less damage to the uh, LP2 car actually to, than the than the Acura yeah. and coincidentally or ironically that there's two a nose to tail in the pit lane uh, yes Awkward. Yeah, very. Crowd there might be quite a lot of damage to that uh, number 66 gradient Acura, though. Yeah, the right front bodywork. I, th I think the it's wheel would look okay. Right front bodywork on the JG Wentworth green and white car. Yeah, but there's radiators there, aren't there? Sorry? There's radiators there, aren't there? Um, I'm not sure on the, on the NSX, to be honest, but it, it would be a good place to put them. They tend to be... There's a, 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 an air exit in the middle of the bonnet, so I, I would expect there was some kind of intercooler in there, whether it's a water radiator or an oil radiator, I'm not sure. Um, thought we saw a little bit of fluid out on the circuit, but maybe not. No, she was definitely spewing out oh, some right. fluids. Okay. I th well, I say definitely. It, it certainly appeared that way when, she, when there was a shot of her going up, driving away. I think it was probably out of seven certainly a big tyre rub there because the bit of the bodywork was pushed back and the headlight was um, illuminating behind her which is never uh, a good thing not really doing its job coming down to an hour to go uh, let's give you some times with a VP Racing Fuel in session update 148.8 for Alexander Sims in the Wheel and Engineering Racing Cadillac V-Series.R the quickest car earlier on the day people Durrani snatching the top time can't wait for qualifying tomorrow let's see what these cars can do when unleashed Philippe Nasser is in second he was in second for BMW MRLL and the 25 just got it second with Connor de Philippe let's go to Joe Bradley and to Acura Wayne Taylor of Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Autosport Joe all of that John um, Wayne he you know how to win here at Sebring. You know how what Sebring can bring to you and, and, and how to get around its kind of unique foibles. So what is the secret? The secret, yeah, really is um, to keep the car in one piece and, um, you know, have three good drivers and make good strategy. 
Um, there's so many cars here and so many engines and so many cautions. Um, but, you know, with the amount of cars and potentially the, the amount of cautions that could come out, sometimes you can, um, you can have everything organized, you can be on the right strategy, and you, can get, and you can suddenly get a caution at the wrong time and puts you down a lap. So we've really got to monitor exactly what's going on all around the track, so more so than any other track. And we've got to have the drivers be um, completely on top of everything and letting us know throughout the track, what do they see? Is there something about to happen? You know, because we can't see everything. And so it's, it's about a lot of communication here, really, between the drivers, the, the, um, the team and the crew. And then just making sure that uh, we can do everything right in the pits and try not make any mistakes and try not get taken out by a slow car. When we're, in, we're in the entertainment business, so we're going to be putting a lot of emphasis on tomorrow's qualifying session. But, you know, we, we always speculate just how important is going to be qualifying for a 12-hour race here? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, everybody wants to qualify on pole, right? But in all honesty, on a 12-hour, on a 24-hour, it doesn't really make much difference. Um, but, you know, getting pole is always a good thing. You know, we, you know, we'll put maximum effort into it. Um, the cars are com very, very competitive across the board. Um, Cadillacs, I think, are going to be very strong here. So I think it's going to be, you know, at the moment, based on what I'm seeing, it looks like Cadillacs and uh, the uh, Hondas seem to be, the RX uh, Acuras look, look good. And, um, you know, we don't know if, if Porsche's got something in the bag or even BMW, but um, at the moment it looks like, you know, the Acuras and the Cadillacs. There's been a lot of chat uh, recently, fairly recently, Wayne, about a second car for Wintailer Racing. Uh, what's it going to take to get that one across the line? And indeed, when? Well, you know, we're always trying to do this, and um, our plan is to try and make something happen for next year, but it just depends on, you know, results and stuff like that, and, and, and our partners to get, you know, final um, decisions made, but that's clearly what we want to do for next year. And would that include the a potential en uh, entry for Le Mans? I mean, you, you, I think you've told us before, you've, you want to go back there. Yeah, I've got to go back there. But at the moment, um, you know, we don't have the... Um, uh, a decision hasn't been made by Japan. And that's what we got to wait for. So we've got to just, you know, between the Shankar and Alcar, we've just got to get good results. And hopefully they'll give us the nod fairly soon. Do you think Japan are keeping... Do you think Japan are keeping a sort of a wary eye on what's going to happen at the morning and also what's happened just, you know, across the other side with the World Endurance Championship? Yeah, I, I watched all the qualifying. I've spoken to everybody. I spoke to people from WEC. They were telling me that next year they reckon they're going to have 25 hypercars. You know, between, they, they, they said they've got 10 new entries coming for next year. So, um, in all honesty, I think if we did manage to pull off a two-car team, uh, 25 would be the best year for us to go there. I think, I think you know, teething problems, things that people are still working out, you don't want to go there and just mess around. I think we have a car that can be competitive, but um, still lots of work before we can make that final decision, and we've got, we've got to get permission. And it's interesting what you said, Wayne, about once you, you've got the deal across the line, but still it's a two-year, three-year program before you can go there. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does. You know, you, you just have to have all the resources. You've got to have the track time. You've got to have all the drivers up to speed. And uh, it takes a lot. I mean, I know what it's like just running one car, you know, so it's going to be um, a long time before we can do any of that. Is this partnership that you've now got with uh, Michael Andretti's team, is that, is that, does that help with, with that sort of project? Well, I mean, forming the partnership with Michael Andretti helps on many, many cases. You know, um, access to more people, which is obviously very, very important, the guys. And um, When you say people win, do you mean brains? Uh, brains, uh, yeah, 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 clever people, um, loads and loads of knowledge, loads and loads of uh, experience they have, and um, they bring so much to us. And the great part at the moment is they let us run it the way we've run it. Uh, Michael and everybody will be down on Saturday. Um, so, you know, so far it's been a great partnership. Where did, if Honda's looking, they've seen tonight that, you know, Toyota has been beaten by Ferrari. All right, it's just to the pole position. Well, that's got to be a positive. Again, I'm in the entertainment business. I think it's fantastic. I'm getting excited just talking here. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, as much as I wanted Brendan to get the pole because he drove for us, but watching a Ferrari as beautiful as it is to get the pole, it was pretty cool. Great stuff, Win. It's always awesome to talk to you, mate. I'll see you over the weekend. Good luck. How brilliant that Wayne Taylor Jeremy Shaw still clearly has the passion not just for what's going on in his paddock and the effort and concentration and focus needed to go on to get going on what is going on down here um, and also is watching what's going on over the other side got the uh, shank car off um, or at least stalled at the exit of the pit lane now this car caused it to a halt earlier on the day and we've got a full course Yellow coming, I think. Well, uh, right, well, the pit exit is where the car has come to a halt. It's Colin Brown who was trying to take the car out. Come back to that in a moment. We might have to go to red here. Going back to Wayne Trailer. First of all, great honesty uh, from the questions that Joe Bradley was asking there. But secondly, he's lost none of his passion at all has he Jeremy yeah it's great isn't it and uh, yeah he, he, he is a motorsports enthusiast at the end of the day oh uh, and Colin uh, Brown's just got going so we're okay oh, good uh, no, the number 60 cars got going again he's fired it up and away goes it's Colin Brown I think he said wasn't it? he's leaving yep. the pit lane so he, no need for a uh, a red flag that's good news he's got it going again he seems to be up to speed pretty much already so uh, that is certainly good news but uh, very worrying I think for that uh, Maya Shank team, they had this, this, I don't know, it was a similar problem, but it was a similar effect. The car ground to a halt out on the track earlier in the day, and that's the second time it's done so, and there's some problems earlier on, I think the number 10 car too, weren't there, earlier in the day. So it certainly hasn't been plain sailing. Very good ingenuity down here, deployed by the Gradient Racing Acura crew, and at the uh, risk of angering Andros, I will say that the damage doesn't look that bad. Um, the bumper is completely <laughs> shark bitten off on the right hand side, but the crew members have used a series of zip ties to ensure that the splitter, which uh, is on the front of the car to give downforce, will be okay and secure. They have actually attached it to some of the upright suspension bits because Mark Miller, petite Le Mans winner in 2016, needs his three night laps here around Sebring International Raceway. <laughs> 
He hasn't done this race in a couple years, John, and he will be doing it with no right front headlight because that part is missing from the Acura. But I did have a quick chat with Sheena Monk, and she said it could have been a lot worse of an accident. She saw him at the last second and did swerve to just barely graze the prototype. Well, a bit more than a graze, but the good news is that this car will go back out and get the night laps from Mark Miller because it will most likely be he and Catherine Legg taking the car to the checkered flag. Thank you, shit. This car sound better at night. There is just no other way around that. It's something to do with the density of the air. It's what somebody told me. 52 minutes to go in this session. And top two cars in the pit lane. It's Cadillac from Porsche from Acura from BMW. So we've got all four manufacturers, Jeremy, in the top four. Yeah. Uh, red flag. Yeah. No, who it's stopped car this time? 60 off course of turn five. Yeah, stopped, stopped again, again, isn't it? Yeah, it's Colin Brown. He stopped again. He's tried to get it out of the way, but he hasn't been able to. So... Hasn't it's got it behind the wall. That's going to be another flat tour, Jeremy. This has got to be worrying yeah. for MSR. And Acura. Yeah, good point. Because uh, yeah, the, the worst, there were a few issues with number 10 car earlier in the day. And now this this car stopped, well, three times on track, including you know, twice now in pretty su quick succession. It looked like it was up to speed going away from the having stalled at the exit of the pit lane. But uh, clearly it, 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 it didn't last long. So some sort of intermittent electrical problem, one would uh, surmise, uh, has caused that car to stop out on track again and brought this red flag. Where is it? It's not even, not even to five, is it? Uh, yeah, it's just the exit of five. Well, yeah, exit of four, is, yeah, really, yeah, five, yeah, yeah, before he yeah. curves back to the right yeah. five underneath the That's right. uh, Corvette bridge. There is a cutout there. Didn't quite get to it, but I suspect he wants to get it back to the pits rather than leave it there for the whole yeah. session. Uh, our yeah, EMR safety team being rather more busy than I think they would have hoped for yeah. in the various sessions today. What a long day it has been as well for all of our volunteer marshals. I mean, there literally has not been... Um, a 10-minute break between the action, has that? No. And I know because I've been sitting here all day. All I've had to do is stand or sit and talk and uh, not being out in the weather. And I can tell you I'm feeling it a little bit. So what it's been like to be out there waving a flag or do anything uh, to do with being in a race suit, uh, I applaud all of you, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take some more driver interviews and... Uh, Joe Bradley is down in the pit lane with Michelle Gatting. I am, Michelle. You're in a Lamborghini on this pit lane. I have no idea what number car you are, because <laughs> I don't want to get mixed up. What number Lamborghini it is for the fans? We are number 83. It's quite hard to miss because it's a pink I car. Know, I, know. I know all your cars are pink. Look, I've got to say, when I jump on iRacing and I jump in a Lamborghini and then I jump in a Porsche, I find it really tricky. You're doing it for real. I mean, I know you're a professional, very good racing driver, but surely that's a little bit tricky. Literally, half an hour ago, you were over there with a Porsche. Yeah, Sarah was over there doing pole position in WEC. So, I mean, uh, 
It's uh, it's for sure tricky, like you say. It's like in iRacing. racing. It's um, yeah. it's a big Enough. change, uh, especially going from the Porsche into the Lambo. Um, of course, the Porsche is a GTE yeah. car, so it's a little bit more aero, etc. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's they are very different cars. You cannot really compare them. So, um, I mean, we. We found our way in the Porsche. Now we need to find our way here in the in the Lambo, and uh, it is a it's a, it is a more difficult car. So I mean, so uh, we just have to go out there and get as much track time as possible, and and then we have to to push. I've I've got to ask you. I know I know I'm in the we're in the IMSA pit, but I've got to take you back to the World Endurance Championship qualifier, and your teammate almost touching the wall at the exit of seven eight. It was Sarah Bovey, wasn't it? Of course. How much of an intake of breath did you guys take when, when you saw that happening? It's just typical Sarah, to be honest. I mean, she uh, <laughs> she just likes to give a bit of a show. Um, I, I had a feeling that she knew the camera was filming her, so she just did it uh, to get some extra attention. No, it was really nice. I mean, she did the job. That is funny, though. Yeah, I mean, she did the job today, and... Um, and we're very proud of her, and uh, it's just, I mean, hopefully we can transfer that into the Lambo. It's going to be more difficult, but, uh, I mean, we got the confidence now, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, um, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to bring you back to Wimsor now, and I want to bring you back to GTD. So, yeah, you've got that big race tomorrow. It's a grueling weekend, but then, you know, it's kind of bit like a 36-hour, 48-hour motor race, isn't it? Spread over four days. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, uh, we cannot really complain, can we? This is what people are dreaming of, you know, to be able to do what we are doing. We're extremely lucky be racing uh, both IMSA and the WEC on the same weekend. Um, we know it's a huge challenge and we we have been trying to prepare for that as much as possible. Um, and hopefully we can live up to the task. I mean, like I said in the beginning, uh, this is what people are dreaming of. So we have to enjoy it. It's um, it's it's very rare opportunity that we are getting here, and um, we just yeah enjoy. We I think everyone knows what's on the horizon for Iron Dims, and uh, I want to ask you how ready are you guys? I mean, from where I'm standing, you are very much ready for a prototype. Is that how you feel also? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, right now our focus is on the GT cars for sure. Um, I mean, You've got to be thinking about the prototype just there on the horizon, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm very in love, to be honest, with the Cadillac. I, I just, it's like uh, there's something about this car, to be honest. It's, um, so for sure, I mean, uh, we, are, we are dreaming about those kind of things. But our focus right now is on the GT cars and what the future will be for Iron Dames. Uh, we know it's bright. So uh, as long as we keep working, keep delivering the results, maybe we, we might end up there. But right now, our focus is on, uh, on the Porsche and on the Lambo. Yeah, tricky. I know two minutes ago you were in a Porsche, now you're in a Lambo. Best of luck. Thanks, Michelle. Always great to talk to you. Think pink is what Michelle, Michelle's teammate, Rahel Frey, said to me over the weekend. It's still a relatively young programme, that, Jeremy, in, in terms of... The team, there's, a, there's been a, a, a number of, of drivers who've been through that team. There's a, a, a pool of drivers. We saw, didn't we, when uh, Sarah Bovey was, was poorly at Spa, they were able to draft other drivers in. I, I think they've done a cracking job. Uh, I really do. And what were the fifth here uh, last year? Yeah, the I think they were fifth, yeah. Um, and uh, they won... I think yeah, the, uh, the, they've had a, you know, a string of good results and uh, a WC win last year as well. So you know, they know how to get things done, but it's got to be really tricky switching between those two completely different cars. 
for Joao Barbosa. Driving Sebring at night, not necessarily something that we consider tricky because of all the laps that you have around here. But when you get in for night practice, do you get that moment of, oh, wow, it's a lot darker than I remembered? No, I mean, it's, um, I always expect to be super dark. I mean, if you compare this to Daytona, Daytona you can drive pretty much without any lights. Here, it's like it's dark. It's driving at night, and it's really, really good fun. But it takes a couple of laps to get adjusted uh, to how dark it is and find their reference points. Even if you think you know, you always need a couple of laps to bring those back and to explore the car and the track at its best. This is the same car, the same team, almost the same driver lineup that took you to victory lane 12 months ago. How much of it does carry over, though, from the winning class last year? I mean, we would be surprised. You know, the team has been working really hard, and um, the preparation is uh, is always on point. But, you know, it's Sebring. It's 54 cars. There's a lot of traffic. Anything can happen. And the race is going to be decided at night, and the night it makes it so much more challenging for traffic and overtaking. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But uh, the team has so far has been doing a great job. The cars are running really well. Lance and Nico has been doing a phenomenal job driving the car as well. So, you know, we're pretty confident that we can be very competitive, but uh, we'll wait. You know, it's a long race, but uh, we know what we should do. We've been there before, so let's just repeat it. Yeah, a lot of people out there cheering for you. Wow, good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. We are back under a red flag. There is an errant right front wheel missing, and that, unfortunately, is from the Gradient Racing Acura. That was at the pit exit. So green briefly, but back to red, means that we have time for more interviews. And Joe Bradley has found David Pittard. Yeah, just out of the 23, or just about to get into the 23, heart of racing, Aston Martin. David, uh, always great to chat to. And finds, and finds himself chatting to anybody, really. He's just walked away from me for a second and chatting to anybody. David, you're back. Um, what's it going to take to get the Aston up there near the front of the grid, then? Good question. I mean, this is my first Sebring 12 hours. I won... The is it really? It's like you've been everywhere, or, you know, for years. But, yeah, you probably... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first time at Sebring here last year, I won the wet race, but uh, obviously it's different uh, in Sebring. So, uh, for the 12 hours, sorry. Um, so, yeah. We need a quick car at the end of the race, basically, as you always do for all IMSA races. Uh, you're kind of carrying the car for the first 10 hours of the race, staying out of trouble, uh, keeping the car as clean as possible. Uh, this session is very important for setting up the car because obviously this is the most like uh, conditions for the end of the race. So very important to make sure that the car is set up for the finishing driver, that we can optimize it to fight uh, for those final two hours of the race, basically. So I've seen a few teams actually tweaking setup, you know, different dampers, ride heights. Is that exactly what they're trying to chase? They're chasing uh, and, and trying to emulate the conditions that we're going to see towards the end of this race? Absolutely. I mean, like this morning, for example, is going to be the best representation of qualifying. Uh, so sort of you probably see more qualifying runs and qualifying sims uh, um, this morning. And then this evening is all about, yeah, fine-tuning for the end of the race, basically. So... Um, uh, yeah, the track temperature is the biggest factor here. Obviously, from day to night, uh, it's quite cool overnight in general. Uh, and the Florida sun is nice and intense, which is yeah, lovely coming from Europe, um, which obviously makes a big difference. So uh, the car, it becomes a completely different animal uh, as the track temperature drops. All right, you've been here with WEC uh, before, you said, and that's in a GTE car. We're now in a GTD, which is effectively a European GT3 spec car. Um, what are the, you know, we talk about Sebring being different to anywhere else. Would you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. The car is so soft. That different, is it? Yeah, the car is so softly sprung um, to obviously absorb like uh, bumps uh, through T1 and T17 in particular. That when you get to the more yeah European smooth parts of the circuit, the car is quite lazy in its change of direction. But you have to make that sacrifice to keep the the wheels on the ground for as much as possible for the rest of the lap. That, that makes a bit of sense. Less aero, of course, on the GTD car. Do you think that you know you've got less to lose using the curbs here? Um, well, that's the cool thing about Sebring. It's an old school track, and the curbs are generally quite unforgiving. So if you're clipping curbs, you're you're. I would say you're losing time. The exit curbs are okay. Um, and then what I love about American circuits is there's exit curb and then dirt and grass. So you get punished for any mistake that you make, which is uh, real racing, I reckon, which is why it's awesome to be over here. And not punished with a track limits penalty, but punished properly, isn't it? And, and from a driver's perspective, that's right where the challenge is, isn't it? Oh, well and truly. Um, you want to be pushing to the limit. And if you're pushing your competitors to the limit and they just run off track and come back again, it feels like they've just gotten away with it, and uh, well, yeah, it doesn't come doesn't come here in IMSA in, in American tracks. So that's why it's awesome to be over here. Big thanks to Ian James and Harv Racing for having me. Yeah, yeah. Great, I'm I'm pleased he's having you as well. Always great to talk to you, David. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, always pop along, mate. I, I do. IMSA Radio. Hi, I'm Brian Sellers, driver of the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, and you're listening to IMSA Radio. IMSA Radio. Live from trackside under a red flag. And uh, we've had a, a couple of errant wheels uh, throughout the day today. Uh, this most recent one for the number 66. Uh, this is the gradient racing car. That was the corner, the right front corner, Jeremy, wasn't it? That was in contact yeah. with the LMP2 car. Uh, they haven't been able to refit that wheel. Uh, I wondered if they might just uh, put a a bottle on that car and uh, allow the team to put a hydraulic bottle on that car or an air bottle on that car, lift it up and put the wheel back on. So suggests there might be more damage to the right front stub axle uh, than we thought. And it's being dragged onto a flatbed. Yeah, and that's going to make things tricky because um, you know they, it's going to make it, make it even more difficult now with only 39 minutes remaining in the session and the clock ticking down for Mark Miller to get in his qualifying laps. Uh, I think uh, how many cars? How many laps has that car done in this session? Has it done any representative laps? My scoring's gone off again. Don't know, um, but certainly hasn't done very many. Um, and uh, yeah, Mark Miller really did need those laps uh, to be able to uh, to be able to run in the closing stages of the race tomorrow. Uh, Catherine Legs, she doesn't need to do the qualifying laps. That car's only done seven laps in total. Has it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm sure you know, the, the plan wouldn't be for Sheena to drive at night. Uh, and it, 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 it's, well, it's the final two hours and 40 minutes, I reckon, about of, of this race. It's an hour, hour and two and three quarter hours, perhaps, that is going to be running dark, darkness. Joe Bradley has made his way down to the JG, went with Gradient Racing Acura NSX pit, the number 66 car, and uh, we'll ask the team. In fact, let's ask Catherine Lake, Joe. Well, uh, she's given me a bit of a clue. She's about to wander away from the pit. With her, she's got a kit bag with a helmet bag, and so your job's done for the day. You don't have to qualify in the dark because you're so experienced here. <laughs> is that is that right? I mean, I'm not taking the mic. 
Yeah, no, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I've had a had an easy day. Haven't done many laps. Um, so we were trying to get Mark his three laps because he had to do night practice as well. Sheena's a, a done, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for us tonight. It's just been, you know, one of those nights. It's been unfortunate. Uh, we're still waiting on an apology, by the way, um, for those of you who are listening next door. And... Um, you know, it's good that it happened today, honestly, and hopefully that's our bad luck out of the way, and when we can... Sheena said the car was good and we can go fight them tomorrow, so let's just let's hope that's correct. Yeah, I'm going to take this opportunity because I've got the time. Indy 500. Wow, I tell you what, you know, we're going to be rooting for one Catherine Leg back home in, in England when we're watching. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's an I'm so excited. Yeah, I am. I'm stoked. It's an amazing opportunity, and thanks to uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, and, and Honda HPD, you know, it's going to be the chance of a lifetime because I'm going to have testing, I'm going to have a great car, and it's it's going to be amazing. So um, I can't wait, honestly. Let's get back to uh, where we are now. Um, what happens if Mark doesn't get his laps in? Um, that's in the hands of the gods, also known as Bo Barfield. And um, it's, it's really up to him. I think Mark's done a lot of night running here before in the past. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I assume that that's correct because of his experience. So we're hoping that maybe he can. Otherwise, I'm tripling to finish, I guess. That, that's what we just... I think we've gone green, did you say, John? We've, we've gone green. Um, so that's what we were speculating. Will that mean that you two have to share the nighttime stuff? Yeah, you know, the last few years here, actually, I've been in the car as it got dark and I stayed in the car. And while you're absolutely done in at the end, it's it's not that big of a deal. So we have to be careful of four in any six hour rule, um, which is, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at closely. But hope, hopefully Mark will be allowed and it will be all good. But if it's not, then we'll find a way around it. You know, the team have done a fantastic job so far. And like I said, Sheena said the car is good. And when the car is good... A uh, double stint feels like nothing. It's only when the car is bad is, is it painful. Rachel, thanks, Catherine. Yeah, very good that Catherine Legg mentioned uh, the four hours in any six. Um, quite a lot of the drivers don't worry about the regulations, but Catherine's a thinking driver, what uh, Jeremy often calls a student of the sport, and straight away understood the implications of what the question that Joe Bradley was asking her there are very considered answers uh, from Catherine exactly as we would have expected and also very fair that you asked her about the Indianapolis 500 great for her to be back in a single seat a tall order to get to that race and to qualify having been out of single seaters for a little while Jeremy yeah quite a while but uh, yeah Indianapolis I think it's, you know, if, you, if, if you've got a feel for that place I think she, she'll get back in the groove fairly quickly. As she said there, she's going to have plenty of testing. They'll have uh, you know, plenty of, of time during the, uh, the month. It's not much that you used to have in the old days. We'll still get you know, several days of, of testing there. I'm sure she'll have a test before the, the month of May as well. So uh, she's going to be as best prepared as she possibly can. She has experience there. So you know, it's a place that she likes and enjoys and wants, you know, is desperate to go back there. And she's going to have a super opportunity. It's really going to be interesting to watch. Easy to for people to forget, Jeremy, what a very good single-seater driver Catherine Legg is. Had wins yeah. in what was then the Indy Lights series as she was coming up through the ranks, and it was it was quite competitive when she was in that championship. Yeah, Atlantic she did. Atlantic, and, sorry, and, yes. And, yeah, and once she won you know, three or four races, and on, on some really difficult tracks, she won she won at Long Beach, she won on uh, the streets of. Uh, 
of San Jose as well, and those are two really tricky tracks back then. So you know, she she's a, a very very accomplished driver, and just you know you put her in just about anything. There's a Cadillac stopped as well. Turn one again. Yeah, it's not the Cadillac, is it? It's the, it's the it's ten the Acura. Acura. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So this is t sorry, it's turn f uh, turn three four again, uh, not turn one. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, all the lights have just gone out. Looks like a reset for Philippe Albuquerque. Just come out of the pits. Just come out the pits. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Philippe Albuquerque. Well, we wish Catherine all the best uh, with that and with Rio Lanigan at Acura. And, and also for the full season because it is a full season uh, for that gradient car. Well, this is a, another car that's just grinding to a halt. And this is another accurate grinding yeah. to a halt. By the way, a number of people, and thanks to Steph again, she was on the spot amongst a, a number of people who tweeted to us that the number 60 Shank accurate was moving without noise. So they're trying to use the battery to get it back to the pit lane. And I think that's what happened before with Blancmist, and he couldn't get round, and he... Colin Brown wasn't able to get around. It was towed back to the paddock. It's not allowed to be delivered back in the pit lane. Then the team had to go and sort it out and get it back in the paddock. That car's gone back out again. But this now must be a worry for Acura, yeah. Jeremy, because this is this is surely not a coincidence. Yeah. We, Sa I mean, same issue. He ground to a halt uh, in, in turn three. He's made it to, to, to four, four and a half now. But he's... He, he's, he's no, he, he's struggling Stop. to get that car moving. Uh, and Philippe is talking to the pits, and they're running him through things to do. He's still got some electrical power. The hybrid light is showing safe. Uh, he knows he's not going anywhere. No. There's a, a waft of the left hand in frustration, and I think we'll have to go red again again. We do. 31 minutes Sheesh. to go. This is extraordinary. I have never seen anything like this no. in terms of the problems we expected to see a lot of reliability issues from the GTPs at Daytona. And in point of fact, we didn't see nearly as much unreliability as I think everyone was expecting. But Sebring is a different place. And the temperatures have been higher. That can affect hybrids, as we know. But Albuquerque is stranded on the outside of turn four and a half. I really like that, Jeremy. <laughs> and has brought out the red flag again. And the, the clock will not stop. No, no, it's been a bizarre session. We, we've, I mean, they've hardly got you know, three or four laps at, at, at any one particular time, have they? Uh, uh, there's a third of the field who need to get the night laps yeah. in. And sometimes multiples in cars. I, I, there could be an awful lot of people looking for dispensation from Bob Barfield, our race director, to whom Catherine Lake referred earlier now some of those have experience like mark miller but haven't driven here for a while others are complete rookies and that is going to be a difficult decision to make as to whether any waivers are handed out here jeremy to it will all i think all depend on the experience of the driver and how many times they've been here in the past yeah i mean yeah most of the cars that, that are that are take part in this session they've, they've done enough laps to have got you really only need two two of your drivers properly qualified for the night time true uh because one of them's probably you know almost certainly not going to be doing to you, you'd probably want to qualify them in any case just in case as was the case with sheena monk 
But uh, yeah, the, the, the focus should be on getting the drivers that, that really need it to, through their, their three laps. Because mm. uh, that's what we heard from Kenton Cook. Was it Kenton Cook very early in the yes. session? Um, well, he got his in even though he doesn't think he's going to be driving. He doesn't think he's going to be driving. Yeah. But uh, you know, the, he do the, get him out of the way, done, dusted. Uh, and I'm sure, I don't think there's going to be many others in that same situation as Mark Miller. He, of course, the thing is, in particularly the prime classes, uh, some of the non-pro drivers um, don't like driving in the dark. And even if they are qualified, might not want to do darkness laps. Well, yeah. Uh, and and that, you know, that's what happened to, to Don Yount at, uh, at Daytona. Mm. Um, with the uh, the incident of the number 42 car, the NT Esport Lamborghini at oh, Daytona, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that meant he would have had to do the night time, and you know that uh, otherwise it was no go. Well, he pulled out of the car because to, to put somebody in who was qualified, uh, uh, Robert McGinnis, that could, that could satisfy the night time requirements, um, which wasn't what anybody wanted. But uh, Kiron Lee, who kind of caused the problem in the first place, he was adamant he was going to drive at night time. Um, so Don very uh, gentlemanly stepped out of the car in order to make sure the car was able at least to compete in the race. Not, not such a bigger problem here, as we say, because there's only three hours of night time rather than pretty much 12, which was the case at Daytona. It's Jeremy Shaw uh, alongside me, John Heintorf in the booth. It's Joe Bradley and Shea Adam down in the pits a very fractured session in fact it's uh, just Shea down in the pits now uh, it's been a very fractured se session here as we're live from trackside exclusively live for FP3 for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship IMSA Radio Hi I'm Connor DeFilippi driver of the number 25 BMW M Hybrid V8 and you're listening to IMSA Radio IMSA Radio Full coverage in sound and vision of qualifying tomorrow, Friday, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and you can join us whether you're here in the US or further afield. Obviously, those of you at the track, 100.9 uh, FM. Uh, and we have qualifying from 9.30 at local time. And uh, 9 15, excuse me, local time. Qualifying for the WeatherTech Championship. And that will be, as I say, in sound and vision via the video link at imsaradio.com. Uh, if you hit the uh, left-hand side menu button, the drop-down menu, it is the first item. It just says live video, and when there's something live, it will be there. Whether you're in the States or further afield, you can get that for qualifying. Obviously, for the race on Saturday, uh, it will be NBC and their team led by Lee Diffie for you here in the US. But for those of you outside the US and where there isn't a network TV deal, it is flag to flag uh, on the World Feed TV with our trackside commentary from here at Sebring. Uh, and no breaks going through. No interruptions whatsoever on Saturday. You can also get us uh, on uh, Sirius XM. And now I've completely forgotten what the Sirius XM channel was. I, I think I said it was 368. Um, 
which uh, would be remarkable if it... 392. 392, thank you. 368 is the amount of laps for a 1,000 miles. <laughs> it's, that's over in the other, that's over in the <laughs> other paddock. So I've got to split my brain side to side like the, uh, the guys are splitting the paddock between <laughs> IMSA and WEC this weekend. 25 minutes to go. Engines have fired. We're just waiting to clear the number six, uh, the number 10 car off the circuit. It is now behind the wall. I think, Shea, you're going to have to go down to uh, Wayne Taylor Racing and find out what's going on here because this is becoming a bit of a, a pattern now with these uh, Acuras. It's not good news, is it? No, and the even worse news is that when I did make my way down there, there was a crew of mechanics that were on the back of the Taylor Dunn heading back to the paddock area. So is, yeah, that's where the car even... has to go back to. They can't deliver it. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think they're going to come back to the pit box tonight was uh, more my point. I think they're uh, resigned to the fact that it's not going very well. Um, I have wandered down to a land where it is going quite a little bit better today. That would be Lexus. Um, I'm going to jump in here with Kyle Kirkwood. Hey, Kyle. Good to see you again. Welcome back to Sebring. You won a race where there's quite a bit of darkness running with sports cars, multi-car traffic. That would be Petit Le Mans. Sebring is kind of similar to that. You feeling a good vibe being here? Uh, it's definitely a lot darker here than Petit Le Mans. I'm not sure what it is, if it's the asphalt or whatnot, but you lose all your brake references, and it's very hard to see past your headlights. Um, it actually makes it better if there's a couple cars in front of you because you actually see more of, of the surface of the track. Um, but right now we're just we're just getting in the rhythm of some things. We finish in the dark tomorrow, so that's the most important uh, th thing to set up the car for. So, um, yeah. As a Florida kid, how important is it to be a part of this race? Uh, it's huge for me. You know, I live an hour and a half away. Um, I grew up watching this race. There's a, there's a few big races on, on, on my bucket list, right, in the U.S. is Indy 500. I was able to compete in that. Daytona 24 and Sebring 12. Um, so it's a, it's a huge joy for me and to come back here with Lexus and Vassar Sullivan racing again with the 14 car. Uh, seems like we've got a good shot. We got a got a good crew. We've uh, we've nailed it down. I feel like this year and uh, we're gonna go for it. Well, you touched on that with the 14 crew again. You were with the 12 in the GTD car at Daytona. Does it feel like you've come home to be back in the pro class with Jack and Ben? Uh, it's it's all the same to me, to be honest. I've raced with both sides uh, of the garage, both in the 12 and the 14 car. Um, we race the same. Uh, it's essentially the same category, so it doesn't make a difference for me. And um, I love working with both sides of the garage. So that it, like I said, there's no difference. It seems pretty happy here in the Lexus camp so far. Been going well through practice? Yeah, no no hiccups thus far, uh, knock on wood. It's uh, it's going smoothly. Uh, we feel like the car's in a good spot. We, we were able to test here not too long ago. and and get the car in a good window, but um, granted, we, we've had this car since 2016, so it's not a whole lot you can really find, but uh, we've definitely fine-tuned the car that we have, and um, we definitely know what we have. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Well, I think we're gonna have to get Shea to uh, pop down to the Maya Shank with Curb Agajanian pit and see if there's anybody there that can tell us what's going on. Colin Brown is running again now. Um, but this is worrying, to say the least, for the guys at the two Acura teams who were, were so full of hope for this season and for this race as well. Down to the last 22 minutes of the race. 
at RSL underscore studio. Both of those cars grinding to a halt at various times today, at least uh, a couple of times each now. Yeah. And trying to get back under the electric power. And failing. Yeah, I, I, it was about, I, I, I think, in fairness, Tom Blomqvist did about the best because he got about uh, a third of a lap back round when he started, it started to go wrong around about turn 10, didn't it? Turn 10, 11, and he got round to turn 15. And uh, obviously on emergency get-me-home battery power, not full speed. That yeah. car running nicely now as it comes out at turn 17 and heads across the line in front of us. Colin still at the wheel. That was a 151.0. That car's fastest lap of this session. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that, I was just going to say that. I mean, he, he's not yet. He's just now within four seconds of his best lap earlier, or the, that car's best lap earlier in the day. Colin's done very, very few laps today in this car. Tom Blunkus, it was who, who has set the fastest time of the day in the second session this afternoon. Uh, at a 147.049. I hesitate to say this, but if there is an electrical issue, and by that I mean an old-fashioned electrical issue rather than a, um, a battery or a hybrid power storage issue or a, another issue with the, the hybrid system or the integration of that and the electronics, the control systems, it was a steering wheel electronic problem that they had on that 60 earlier on. The team tweeted that out and they thought they'd fixed it and they clearly had not as that car ground to a halt again and uh, ended the session actually didn't it so True. this is somewhat worrying now David Salters who is the head of HPD Honda Performance Development under which this programme falls the auspices under which it falls here in the USA has always said to me when we've interviewed him and he's been quite clear about that look this is what we do we send it out if it breaks we fix it this, these are cars that are in the very very early stages of their development I was interested to hear about the changes on the RLL BMW that Joe was talking about uh, earlier on because it sounds like they're now looking for setup and performance not just understanding and getting the systems to talk to each other, which is certainly what we were hearing at Daytona. So things are moving quickly, but in that, Jeremy, particularly in endurance racing, you can't give up on the reliability side of things. No, true. I mean, you know, they, they did a lot of development work on these cars last year. They had, everything had to be homologated on that car, so they can't really do any more development now. They've just got to fine-tune what they have. What, they, what has been homologated is what they have to work with, nothing more than that. So the, the, it's, it'd certainly be... Uh, and since Daytona was only, what, less than a month, wasn't it, after everything had had to be properly homologated so I think since this, then yeah. they've had you know they've had six weeks to work on these cars since then they've done some testing uh, and now they're tr you know, now it's down to the fine tuning thing but clearly there's a lot more than just the basic fine tuning that needs to be done there will be some in terms of performance there will be some low hanging fruit for all of the manufacturers because they haven't had the opportunity to do that up until now and we saw, didn't we, the spectacular time that people Durrani put in earlier on today to claim the fastest time 
in FP2. I'm very interested to see what times we come up with yesterday after the Ferrari hypercar time, the 499p uh, yeah. from the WEC. That, that to me is, that's the benchmark. And Pete will got pretty close to that in that uh, FP2 well, session. Could have done. Yeah. Could have done. He didn't because he backed off and came into the pit. So he didn't complete that lap. He didn't... Uh, uh, he didn't put that whole lap together. If he, if he took his sector times to put those together, that was blisteringly fast. Yeah. But um, but he didn't he didn't actually you know, put that whole lap together. But it, it's certainly in the car. No question about that. Question is tomorrow morning, can he extract that from it? Yeah. And put the three sectors together, as you rightly say. It's improvement for Sebastian Bourdais, fourth fastest in number zero one Cadillac of one forty nine point five. So still a couple of seconds away from what that car's done earlier in the day. With just now, doesn't time fly when you don't want it to? Uh, just 16 and a half minutes to go, and there'll be teams going, oh, no, no, Hindoff, don't say that. Surely there's 45 minutes. We've still got 45 minutes, haven't we? Can we keep running? Yeah, well, we would have done if we hadn't had all, that, uh, yeah. all those red flag stoppages. That's I mean, what sure. we, I mean the best teams out there have only done 20, 21 laps, 22 yeah. laps for TDS racing. Scott Hofeker uh, in that car. He's doing double duty this weekend. GTE am um, in the wet paddock and TDS racing LMP2 over here on this side of things. 11th place and into the wall, a Porsche. Oh, no. And is that the 93 car? 91, I think. Oh, red yeah, flag, 91. Yeah, 91. 91, excuse me. Well, that's yes. another red flag. That's Kelly Moss with Riley. Nice. Hi, Van Berlo, who just, he just said a, uh, a personal best on his last lap. He was uh, personal best sectors one and two before. Is that turn 17 he's off that? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. He's lost it on the bumps through. Yeah. He, he's well round, I think, 17. It's one of those ones where the back end's come around. The bonnet, the hood has popped up. Let's have a look. So coming down to turn 17, Kai van Berlo gets in, gets close to the inside wall, and then it breaks away. We've seen several cars do that in hard on the front and the left-hand side of that machine and it's just the swapper yeah. in the middle of the corner yeah complete 360 you turn there mm. and head on into the tire barrier at a pretty big speed in some uh, ways maybe better to go head on than tail on in a porsche um yeah. slightly fewer things to break that's one of the new 992 cars better than side on probably actually yeah yeah good point um it's going to take some time to extricate that Jeez. car the EMR safety team and the IMSA safety trucks are there already on the scene and the tyres have moved but once again that interim tyre barrier that would have been a huge incident do you remember that Johnny O'Connell losing a brake rotor going into 17 a few years ago in the Corvette before the interim tyres were there and carried on at virtually unabated speed to the tyre barrier that was just on the concrete wall I mean, yeah. he's moved that 10 feet, at least. that tyre barrier. Probably more, yeah, yeah, at least. The length of the car, so yeah, yeah you're probably right, 12, 12 to 15 feet. Yeah. But he didn't get to the outside retaining wall. He's out of the car, 
It's the yeah. good news. Kai von Burlow, Florida, his home. He came over here to study. The young Dutchman did a bit of decided to do a bit of racing whilst he was here, and was an absolute start in the Porsche Carrera Cup North America. Me, he's just making sure that everything was all right in the car before he jumps into a Porsche he did not want to see, which is the Cayenne GTS intervention vehicle. But yes, that would have been a much bigger incident years ago. And I know it doesn't look high tech, uh, and you know, but the barrier, the tyre barriers, the band of tyre barriers did exactly what it was meant to do there and dissipate the energy. Yeah. And stop that car. Not stop it dead. That's not what you want to do. You don't want it to come to a sharp stop. Right. They gave way. But that, that was that was a very speedy impact there that has been very much mitigated by the positioning of those banded tyres, um, which have been there for a few years now and have, have been worth their weight. They really have. Yeah, yeah they have. They've, they, they've saved a huge amount of... Uh more damage on the cars that have, uh, have made contact with those barriers. It, it gives it gives a lot. and It uh, almost seemed to pick up speed as the car uh, spun around. Well, it's absolutely... That's, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, uh, you know, a factor in the sport. It, it, things, it's when things go wrong, you realise how fast the cars mm -hmm. are going. Shit, Adam, down in the pit lane whilst this is cleared up. We've got 12 minutes to go. I think we might get a few minutes. It'll depend um, how long it takes, I think, not to extricate the Kelly Moss Porsche, but to put the Kelly Moss and Riley Porsche, but to put the barrier, the tyre barrier back. Clearly, that has to be done because it did such a good job there. Shit, you've been uh, down in the pit lane all this evening and uh, just having a look at what's been going on there. All day, I've been seeing things. Um, I'd just like to start out and say, yes, I am not a driver. So I will put that out there first. <laughs> but please, for the love of all that is right in the world, do not hit your brakes and start slowing down when you are in the fast lane. Oh, the yeah. transition Ooh. lane is where you should begin yes. slowing down. I have seen so much car retardation today from drivers that immediately as they start to pull out of the fast lane, hit their brakes, and then cars who are right up their tailpipes, then having to take avoiding action. I'm really nervous that this is going to come into play during the 12-hour because it's such a congested pit lane. I was seeing it during the pilot race as well, so this is not specifically to WeatherTech competitors only, necessarily. But guys, please, the transition lane is there for a reason. Let's not have front and rear end damage coming into pit boxes, please. Yeah, very good point. Mm. Uh, we give our replay crews... Uh, up at Charlotte, the tape apes are there, affectionately known. Plenty of kudos because they are brilliant at digging out uh, pieces of footage for us so that we can understand what's been going on. Um, thank you as well to our audio team feeding uh, FX to us from a couple of different sources for our radio and international World Feed TV. Uh, absolutely awesome stuff coming uh, from the audio team up in Charlotte. What a lot of people don't, probably don't realise is that all that's done off-site nowadays. Everything is fed away from the circuit and uh, cut together. The pictures are cut. The sound is cut and mixed uh, and then sent to the world from the NASCAR Productions HQ at Charlotte, a fantastic facility, which, by the way, is going through uh, a little bit of a uh, refurb and, ex uh, and extension as well at the moment as they take on more and more work and without them what they send us in vision and in sound 
Uh, we simply couldn't put together what we do here. Uh, the crew on site uh, at uh, the circuit as well, our camera operators, we've got an audio team down here as well, of course, to make sure all the audio paths and the video paths are going back up to all the right places. And a brand new building for NASCAR Productions coming next year in 2024. That is not an inconsiderable amount of work, uh, considering as well that we have the Daytona 24 hours at the end of January. I suspect the old facility might get used for that one before the full transition goes over. So thank you to all of the unsung heroes and heroines that don't get the time on camera or on mic. That includes uh, our production team back in London as well. It's been Curry and Tim today uh, as uh, as well, who, as I say, they don't get in front of the camera or the mic, but without them, simply the quality of what we do would be far, far diminished. Now, as I suspected, down at turn 17, uh, the recovery of the... Kelly Moss Riley car yeah. is going along okay. Well, um, you know, there's an awful lot of lot to do here. I'm not so sure we're going to get back to green, John. To be honest. Right. Well, that's going to be a bit of a blow for the 66 JG Wentworth gradient car because that's back on the pit lane, Sheer Adam, and presumably Mark Miller is wanting to get his three laps in. Yes, he is. He's just come out from behind the wall. Uh, oh. Let me see. Yes, dove into the pit box. So good, following proper protocol, having come out from behind the wall. Uh, needs to make a stop in the pit box since the track is not green. You can't just go line up at the pit exit. That's not how this works. Um, but yes, it was still Mark's bright yellow helmet that was illuminated with their little bit of black light that they have in the cockpit. So you can actually tell which driver is there. And ooh, ooh. That's the number 10, the Konica Minolta Acura lives once again too, so they're going to try and get out for Right, get down there. I want to know what was wrong. I'm at the exact opposite Of course end. you are. All right, well, I, I will try. I'm down with uh, the Kelly Moss with Riley Pitts. I was waiting at the 91 box for possibility of that car coming back, but yeah, I'll go all the way back to pit out. It's, it's all right. Walking's good for me. It's healthy. Yeah, they're right at the cut-through, aren't they, to oh, back yeah. in the pit lane. They, they have the best pit box. They are the championship leaders with 350 points after leaving Daytona between qualifying and the race, and they earned the best pit box. Yep. By the way, just to finish off, my thanks to our unseen and unheard team behind the scenes. It'll be Roger Vincent and uh, Richie Barzilli who will be giving us the pictures at the weekend. And for those of you on the World TV feed, those are the people to whom you need to direct your thanks for what I know are going to be stunning images of all of our five classes over the weekend. We have uh, a lot more freedom than we used to do on the World Feet. And the uh, team up at Charlotte, uh, have now we've been working together for a wee while. Um, I think we've got a pretty good report. And... Uh, that world feed, flag to flag for the 12 hours. Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring on Saturday. And coming to you, if you're outside the US and your territory does not have a network TV field, you'll be able to tune in on that on IMSA.tv via the uh, video, the drop-down video menu on IMSAradio.com and a number of other syndications as well. By the way, there is a choice of onboards as well at uh, imsa.tv for those of you who are 
in the US. You'll get the NBC coverage, of course, headed up by Lee Diffie. Who else would it be? And uh, But you can supplement that with a second screen or third screen application in terms of uh, using the IMSA app or uh, going to the Alcamel timing screen. And uh, I know many of you like to have multiple screen operations. And we're doing pretty well in the broadcast booth with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But one of those is a 16-screen multi, 16-screen MUX, where we can see all of the cameras. I've had that on quite a lot today, actually. found that more useful than I, I, I have in the past. I sometimes I find that distracting. But today, for some reason, it must just be the way it's laid out. Uh, I find it uh, really, really useful. Uh, we're down to the last five minutes, and Mark Miller rather uh, sadly, I think, and uh, it just sort of got out the car. I think he realises he's not going to get the uh, the green flag with enough time to get his laps in there, Jeremy. No, I think that's right. Um, yeah, the car, st the uh, number ninety-one car, is just moving up onto onto ah. the uh, flatbed now. But those tyre barriers are going to need to be pushed back into place as well. That's going to take a few minutes. And we're only you know, we're down to four and a half minutes to go. Um, it's not looking terribly good for getting any more track time. And certainly won't be enough for Mark Miller to do his, his uh, three laps that he really is required to do. Just uh, to follow up for those of you here in the US, joining uh, Lee Diffie, it will be Calvin Fish and Townsend Bell with Dave Burns and uh, Brian Till as well as part of the broadcast team. For those of you watching on NBC and I presume that some of that will be on uh, Peacock as well, their uh, subscription streaming channel. Ooh, I tell you what. Oh, yeah, well, mm. yeah, I think that they're going to they're going to not perhaps move that tire barrier back to where it uh, where they would like it to be uh, and maybe just ask the drivers to exercise a little more caution than they might otherwise do in order perhaps to to get gets a little bit of green flag running and at least enable the drivers to do one or two laps i i wonder if we might extend by just five minutes to get three laps in at the end yeah T it's two it's two flying laps two times across the start finish line uh, on the on the track, so I look. We IMSA race control have been eminently uh, sensible down uh, through the years. Green flag. Uh, we've got a green flag. Wow. Resets to three minutes. Were we there? Was it at three no, minutes? I think it was at three. I think that right. Was, so an outlap of one more. So Mark Miller needs to get back in that car and get out and do as many laps as he can in that time. Um, that'll be two minutes to get around. That'll be one spy. Then the next time by, he comes across again. That that might be enough to get his two two yeah, laps in. The if he flag next, on the next time, flag on the next lap, if yeah. he gets a hurry on. I, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, Jeremy. You know, two laps out of three is better than no laps out of three. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Shea Adam down at. Uh, WTR with Andretti racing that car back out of the pit lane. What was the problem? Do we know? Well, let's ask Ricky Taylor. Ricky, we talked to you earlier on. The day didn't start off great for you guys, but now it's ending on a little bit of a high because the car is back out. What caused it to stop on track this last time? Yeah, 
they could explain it to me, but I'm not sure I would understand it. <laughs> um, it uh, there's a kind of a sequence of events that seem to happen there that the car stopped for one reason and then that caused another issue. So uh, ultimately, I think we probably could have gotten the car back running, but once the yellow came out, they didn't want us to restart it. And then we had to come back and garage charge. So um, car's back. I think they understand what happened and what caused the initial issue. So uh, better today than Saturday. And uh, good thing is that red flag came out, so it didn't look like we missed too much track time. Uh, but yeah, it should be. Uh, hopefully, we're all sorted. Do you guys think it's the same issue all the Acuras are having out on track today? Uh, I'm not exactly. After the session, I'm sure yeah. HPD will get with us and explain. Uh, they know what's going on with both, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're connected in some way. Uh, they, they looked very similar on track, at least. You're not terribly worried, though. I can't. I can't do anything to help uh, at this point. Um, all we can do is be patient, and uh, they've got an amazing group of people taking care of it. And I know they're gonna they're gonna do the job. So they did it in Daytona. We faced lots of gremlins, and uh, I, have, I have all the faith in the world that the best minds are on it. So thanks, Frankie. Yeah, thank you. Do you know that was a decent explanation for a driver because he doesn't really yeah. need to know uh, all the technical parts of things. It sounds like something's not talking to something when they should be talking to each other. It'll be lots of ones and zeros going astray somewhere. Round the track, there's going to be a load of ones and zeros that's been dumped round the place. Green flag, as you heard, and we've got four seconds remaining. Checkered flag about to come out right now. Uh, I remember that I said 66 car had done but it got past seven laps. That. It's now done nine. Yeah, so, so this time round will be tenth. I think he'd be all right. Yeah, well, he's got he's got past before the checkered flag came out, so he Correct. can do this lap. Yeah, uh, and I think that should be uh, should be okay. Good hustle to get that car back on the pit lane. Yeah, Disappointment gone. for him jumping out and then no no get back in get, get back, back in. Oh, right, you okay. must have got in pretty darn quickly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Mark Miller never needs, as she reminds me, a second invitation to get in a race car and go and drive. Day and night, wet, dry. Mark Miller, one of the original plug-and-play go-faster accessories. Yes, one headlight or two, as she just said as well. Well, what an odd session that was. Checkered flag is out. And uh, I can't imagine that there's going to be a whole lot of improvement there, but that's not what that was about. Nick Yellowly crosses the line for BMW Team RL in the 25 car. Marco Vittman still running in the 24. So the two BMWs putting in 25 and 20 laps between them. There goes Pipo Durrani. That was the quickest car tonight, the number 31, the wheel and engineering. So that's back-to-back -back quickest times no, in the it, session. No, for that. no he didn't. No, quick, no, yeah, that's he right. didn't. Yes, sorry. Would have, could have, should have, didn't. Didn't. Um, 148.2. Guido van der Garde was in the TDS racing cars, which is the best of the LMP2s. 151.5, 156.5 for the Junior 3 racing. And once again, Junior 3 and Riley were having a bit of a battle there. Dakota Dickerson this time against Felipe Fraga. That's going to be a qualifying battle royale between the 30 and the 74 tomorrow. And Trent Nestep, not that far back either for RV Motorsports, the number 4 LMP3. 
the three uh, Ligiers at the top of the P3. In the GTs, Jordan Taylor um, saving the blushes of the GTD pros was the quickest GT car for Chevy Corvette with a 201-290, 201-360 for Phil Ellis in the Winwood Mercedes, the number 57. Then Vassa Sullivan and the 14 Pro car on a 201-3, 201-4 for the AMG WeatherTech. Shields Gunon uh, behind the wheel of that car early on in the session, the number 79. That's another Pro car. Uh, in fourth in GTD Pro, Patrick Pile. It's the fifth quickest of the GTs. That's the number nine Faf car. And it's another Porsche. Seb Prio was in the number 80 AO racing car at the end. That's the bright green Rexy livery for the T-Rex machine. Uh, he's second in GTD, third in GTD, seventh overall in GT. Heart of Racing's Aston Martin, Marco Sorensen, number 27. That's for the sake of probity. We have not yet set the grid. That will be done tomorrow, just after nine o'clock local time. We'll have that for you in sound and vision as the team will reassemble for that. Busy day tomorrow with the 1,000 miles as well. That'll be over on RS1. But we'll reconvene tomorrow. Appreciate everybody, including our technical team, has had a very long day. Quick summation from you, Jeremy, of what we've seen on the IMSA side of things. Two cracking Porsche races, which will live long in my memory. And if that's the season to come, I'm very happy. Uh, pretty decent in the end for the dash to the flag for the Alan J Automotive Networks 120 for the Mission and Pilot Challenge. Still questions for me to be answered in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and that's before we get to qualifying tomorrow. Yeah, we learned very little this evening, that's for sure, during this uh, hour and a half session. It was interrupted a whole bunch of times uh, for very long periods of time as well, so we didn't learn much at all. But uh, from the day itself for the WeatherTech Series, pretty darn good. That, that Pilot Challenge Series race was a bit of a mess. But the Porsche races were really, really good. So that made up for that mm. to some degree. Uh, but I think, you know, there's a lot of question marks going in to WeatherTech qualifying on the, uh, tomorrow morning. That'll start at a bit after 9 o'clock. Is it 9.15, I think, in the morning? A lot of question marks are really going to be hard to to say right now what to expect from that uh, 15 minutes for each of the groups, each of the classes tomorrow morning. Uh, and tomorrow's weather still looking pretty good. Shea Adam, thank you very much indeed. I know it's been a long day. Very quickly, have you enjoyed it? <laughs> Every second, thank yes. Thank you, Shea. Adam and Joe Bradley were in the pit lane. Thanks to everybody at Charlotte and here at the track. It's been a stop-start day in some respects, but we've still got racing to come tomorrow. Still questions to be answered, and it's all live across the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Come back tomorrow, RS2 for the qualifying. We'll have live pictures too on IMSA.tv. I'm John Hindorf for the whole team here at Sebring. Good night, God bless. See you on Fast Friday. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.